0: Hello and welcome into this edition of Radio BNR. I'm your host, Chris Turner, and today we have a special guest, Chris Phillips, who is church planner in Denver, Colorado, and he's a Tennessean. So, Chris, welcome into the show. Hey, it's good to be with you guys. I'm glad you can come and uh, look forward to
1: being with fellow Tennesseans today, this morning.
0: Well, uh, let's just kind of start there, because you're one of four church planning families in the Denver area from Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, There's obviously an attraction, but just recap a little bit. You were on an earlier episode of yeah. uh, Radio BNR, but just recap a little bit about your journey here and how you guys made it from the Memphis area and, and then felt called out here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm originally from Memphis. My wife is from Knoxville, so we kind of blanketed the state
1: for a really long time. Uh, both of our families are still there, so it's a huge part of our heart and a piece of home. Uh, I was serving on staff at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, and, uh, and honestly had no desire to leave whatsoever. But uh, kind of when God calls, you just you have a choice, obey or disobey. Uh, and honestly, started a conversation with another Tennessean, uh, now at uh, LifeWay, CEO and President Ben Mandrell. Uh, just a conversation with him about the western part of the United States uh, really just broke my wife and I's heart. Uh, mm-hmm. Libby and I began uh, thinking and praying uh, just, there's such a need in the western part of the United States. And the conversation with Ben just said, man, we need more leaders to come and plant churches. Uh, and if you're familiar with Nam and the statistics, they have a ton of resources and, and they lack leaders to come, assessed uh, church planters to come and plant churches. And so my wife and I just said, are we dumb enough to do something like that, to move from what we're used to and comfort and all that, to go and, and start with nothing? And took a, about two months to kind of pray and, and fast and walk through, and God just made it abundantly clear that our call was to come out here Uh, And so in 2016, we began that process, moved out here in June of 2017. Uh, We spent a year uh, with uh, Storyline Fellowship in Arvada, which is about 25 minutes from where we've planted, uh, and just learned all about church planting, learned all about Denver and the West and the culture. Because uh, it is not Tennessee, and uh, and so it took that year to really learn and engage, and then begin building a team to launch our church that uh, launched this this past February, uh, February tenth, two thousand nineteen. And um, so yeah,
0: not not a traditional church building. You guys are we walked in and you've got two trailers out there <laughs> and, and setting up a whole church. Yeah. And I know people that are familiar with church planning they 're like yeah that's just the way it is, but yeah. just talk a little bit about the this area yeah. and why you guys decided to be here and how this opportunity came about yeah so we're um, so Denver in general
1: just an, an overall statistic is there 's one church for every thirty two thousand one evangelical wow. church for every thirty two thousand people in the city of Denver. And we're actually in the city limits of Denver. Uh, We're the furthest northeast territory of the the Denver city limits. And we're actually sitting around this school is is a neighborhood that's being built. It's the last residential area of Denver to be built out. There's literally no more land. So they'll have to tear down something and then rebuild it. We're the last residential area. Um, And so when we came out here, uh, we just prayed about where would God use us in a community that we feel like we could also... Uh, be a part of the community, yeah. right? I think that's the hardest thing as a church planter. You want to go where there's a need. Well, there's a need everywhere. So then you start to identify what community could we see ourselves in and, and relating to the people there. So we're actually in the old Denver International Airport. So before Denver's airport now moved to where it is, which kind of feels like it's in Kansas, yeah, uh, nice. it was here in this community. And so back in the late 90s and early 2000s, they had the largest urban infill redevelopment project in wow. the country. Um, and so there were zero homes here in 2005 and 6. First neighborhoods started going up, uh, and now there's about 45 to 50,000 people that call Stapleton Home, with a lot of development still to come. Uh, we're on the northern side of the, the area. Uh, the neighborhoods that are around us right now, not a single paved road existed when we visited the first time uh-huh. in 2016. Now, in our specific neighborhood, there's 900 homes, and right next door, there's 1,700 homes going up uh Stapleton's average age is 33. Uh there's two kids per home and it's the wealthiest zip code in the state of Colorado and also 43% have a master's or doctorate level wow. degree. So anything you could put with young, affluent and educated and then throw in that they're spiritually disconnected from Christ. Yeah. Uh anything you can imagine this community has exactly what you're thinking of. Uh and so we just we knew that we knew that we knew that this was the area that God had called us to. So because there's two kids per home, my wife and I have four kids, she was a former educator before we moved out here, a first grade teacher, we knew that the first way to kind of go to the river, as Paul does in Acts 16, to go to the river was going to be through the school systems. And uh, so the school that we're in now actually didn't exist when we first came out here. They were meeting in the wing of a high school. And so we said, hey, they're probably struggling to do stuff. Why don't we just go serve them in any way we can? Uh, so we actually engaged with the principal. She thought we were crazy because we lived in Arvada at the time. Yeah. We had no kids in the community, yeah. and, uh, and we're with the church. And so she yeah. turned us down a couple of times. Yeah. And then I let her know that my wife's a former educator. We're going to have kids in the community. We had a contract on a home here. Yeah. And she was in such of a need because they were overworked and understaffed yeah. that she said, hey, we, we would actually—
0: We'll even take some crazy people. <laughs> we'll take some crazy people that have
1: no kids here yeah. or a home here. And, uh, and so we came, and, uh, and Chris, the, the third time we started serving them, and, and we're doing nothing that yeah. anybody in Tennessee yeah. would do. Yeah. We're taking drinks. We're stuck in the resource room. Yeah. We're giving them teacher gifts and stuff like that. But this area, because of the lack of churches, is so unfamiliar to that yeah. with people in the outside yeah. community doing it. Uh, the third time we were here, she said, hey, I don't, uh, I don't know where you guys, when you gather together or meet she had no relationship with Christ, yeah. so she didn't know to call it worship. You know, so when y'all get together, when y'all do start your church, uh, do you have a place that you're going to meet? And uh, we said, no, but God will provide that, and we we feel confident in that. She said, well, we'd be honored if when our building is finished, you would come into our school Whoa. and use it as a place of, of yeah. meeting. And, uh, and so I tried to play it cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I tried to play it, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll think about pray yeah. about that. But yeah. I knew our, our home yeah. is right next door. Yeah, I knew yeah. all that. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we ended up coming in. Uh, Long story short, my wife, we're actually sitting in my wife's classroom right now doing this podcast. Um, She, we had some space because we were here for a year before we were starting the church while we're learning. So she wanted to substitute teach. Uh, So she subbed a couple of times. And the third or fourth time she was subbing, the principal almost demanded that she be a teacher here in the school. Uh, That was not our plan. And so after some prayer, we just said, man, that's just a door that only God could open. And uh, so she is actually a first grade teacher at the school that we worship in. Uh, and the principal told me this, Chris, she said, she said, if I'll come to your church, she said, so I'll come and I'll visit it. And if it doesn't feel like a meeting, I'll keep coming. And that broke my heart because somebody that's not engaged in a church looks at church as a meeting. Mm. And so it just really, really broke my heart. And so that, that's a, uh, Marisol is her name and, and she is somebody that I think about in everything that we do. That statement right there. And uh, and so sure enough, she came in November to a preview service. She came in December to a preview service. She came in January, and she actually gave her life to Christ in January. Wow. And, uh, and so my wife, in a one-on-one teacher meeting while she's at work last year during the school year, got to give Marisol her first Bible that she's ever owned. Wow. And, uh, and so it's, uh, it's one of those things. It's just, man, when, when you walk in step in obedience to God— you know what he calls you to do. It may look crazy to, to leave a great church and a great location and people that you love and family, uh, but when you see that, it really comes to light that and we're just we're just a small part of what God's doing. It
0: sounds country. sounds a little bit like a spiritual rodeo. Just hang on yeah. and, and just for the ride, because I ride. mean, it, it, there's no way you could have orchestrated any of that. No, you not know? even a chance. So, yeah. so just talk a little bit. You mentioned uh, talked on the the spiritual. Climate. How would you just describe the the average uh, spiritual worldview of someone that lives in this area? Yeah, um,
1: you know that probably took the longest time for us to identify what to do. Um, so this this area, uh, Denver, is the third loneliest city in America, um, and the teen suicide rate here is triple the national average. So it's three times the national average. Now you combine that with there's one church for every thirty two thousand people. Uh, there's one marijuana dispensary for every 11,813 so there's literally three times the amount of dispensaries than there are churches um to put that into perspective a little bit more there are more starbucks and mcdonald's combined than there are uh marijuana uh, there are more dispensaries combined than there are starbucks and mcdonald's combined so there are more dispensaries in denver than starbucks and mcdonald's combined uh, and that resonates, I know, to the people in Tennessee. So, um, you know, so for us, uh, that climate, I, what I tell people is that uh, Denver has uh, more breweries than churches. It has more dispensaries than churches. It has some of the most beautiful mountains and hiking and skiing that you can possibly think of. Uh, it's got obviously a, a clearly a very liberal uh, community. Um, obviously one of the state the first state for uh, legalization of marijuana, one of the first States for same sex marriage, uh, you know, in all those areas. So anything you can think of would be a part of all that is the reason that people are moving here. Uh, They're not moving here to go to a church. (laughs) We're, we are the the bulk, the vast, vast, vast minority. And, um, and so if you can imagine it, why people are moving here, that's why they are. Now, some of it's just jobs and hiking and skiing. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that it, that requires no church attendance on Sunday or Wednesday night or whatever else you know we're accustomed to. What I have found is that they are not spiritually harsh to the gospel like they would be in, say, the Pacific Northwest. But they are so apathetic to anything that we are doing, mm-hmm. um, you know. And and you have to kind of go above and beyond that. You mentioned the trailers earlier. We actually have three trailers that we we set up and tear down because we we have to make this place feel like something special. Because if we don't, they're not going to want to continue to come back because everything they do here is on a 10 out of 10 level. The mountains are 10 out of 10. Skiing's 10 out of 10. The nightlife scene is 10 out of 10. And so we also have to do the same thing so that when they walk through those doors, it feels like a 10 out of 10. Uh, And so, yeah. And but so what you believe the people here in their climate are, it's it. So, um, you know, our community is. it is very high in the same-sex population, uh, very high in young professionals. Uh, most of them work downtown, um, very liberal. We have some of the, the uh, liberal government policies that are in place here in Colorado. Many of them live in our community as well. Um, we are six miles from downtown, so it's, it's not too far, but it's close enough where people can engage in all that. Um, and so it's it's that community. And, um, and, and not that there's some that aren't harsh to it. Um, because we have, we've had our fair share of run-ins with people that don't want any part of what we're doing here in yeah. the
0: community. Yeah. So obviously to walk out on the street corner in downtown and share four spiritual laws is yeah. probably not <laughs> the approach. Yeah. So how, how do you connect yeah. like it? Not, a, not just as a church planner, but I mean, this small group of, of people, how do you just connect to, to draw people that direction. Yeah. Obviously the Holy Spirit plays yeah. a big role in that. but yeah. you I'm sure your your thinking when you came out here was yeah. pretty much nothing that we had from a conventional spiritual share the gospel perspective. Yeah in uh, Tennessee is going to work here. So yeah. how are you bridging that gap? Yeah, you know, I was
1: a Sunday night visitation guy at yeah. Bellevue. We did visitation on Sunday nights, and so I thought, okay. And so as I gathered the community, so we're we're in a obviously a very affluent community. We're surrounded by uh, lower income indigent populations because it's just like any uh, take an airport in Memphis and Nashville or anywhere else, the mm-hmm. surrounding communities are in lower income areas. Same thing here. That's what Stapleton was. So we are surrounded in a 15 minute span by some of the lower income populations here. Number one crime when I came in and engaged the police officers and city officials has said, Hey, what's the problems in the community? Uh, it's petty theft. They call them porch Mm. pirates. Mm. Uh, so they're going to come in, you leave the garage door open. They're taking something out of it. Mm. You leave Amazon packages out too long. They're taking it. So that's a number one crime here. So in my mind, I immediately went, hey, door-to-door is not going to work. <laughs> That's going to be – it's going to be a turn-off.
0: You're going to been jailed. I
1: don't – yeah, exactly. I don't know what the population of Ring cameras are in our yeah. cam- like Ring and, and all of yeah. those yeah. Nest, uh, But I would say it's probably 90% of the homes you walk by in Stapleton have a Ring or a Nest camera. Yeah. And, uh, and so we thought, okay, check that one off the list. It's not going to happen here. Um, what I have found – our church right now is comprised of about um, a third people that have zero relationship with Jesus or ever have been to church in their life. We're about a third people that are long-term disconnected, been very burned by the church, put off in some sort of way. And then we have about a third that are connected to the church and you know, have been involved in church and engaged in church in some kind of way. Um, for us, the biggest thing I tell people out here is people in this community— are going to have to know that they can belong way before they can believe what you believe. Mm. And so they're going to have to have... It's a uh, You're from Tennessee, so you're a barbecue. You have to to eat some barbecue. I'm from Memphis. It's a low and slow burn brisket or a low and slow burn pork shoulder. It's going to be a long, consistent relationship building over a long period of time so that they build some trust so that they'll come and kick the doors and see what it's going. Uh, Chris, everything we do is from the person that has ever walked in church before. So my message, uh, our music, our greeting, everything that we do, I'm thinking about the person that's never been to church. And the reason being is because um, here, where there are church people, uh, I am grateful for them. And we need those people that are on mission and they need to learn and engage. But at the end of the day, the team, uh, the, the community, the neighbor that has a relationship with Jesus, if they don't like my church, they're going to heaven. Uh, but my neighbors that, that don't have a relationship with Jesus, they're going to hell. Mm-hmm. And so I need to think of everything that that person would want in a church to walk in for the first time. And so we try to overcome all those barriers. But it really is relationship building and community driven. We serve I, I, we serve the basketball uh, team this year. And you guys are huge probably in FCA and everything like we were in Memphis. Um, I served the basketball coach. Coach O is his name. We give him a meal. I said, hey, how can I sign up to do more meals because I'm sure you got a lot of people He said, Chris, this is my fourth year as a coach. You're the first person that's ever served us a meal before basketball game. Uh, And so for us, being there and being for the community and not just being a church in the community is the biggest thing that we're focused on. Um, And sometimes that means we don't even get to talk about being a church at all. But the fact that we are there and the power of presence and involvement in their life has time and time and time again shown that that's what this community is really needing uh, and then those people ultimately come and walk through the doors. Um, so we're not a bait-and-switch to them, right, is ultimately what it is. Yeah.
0: Well, it's interesting. I love the comment being a church for the community and not a church in the community. Okay. So one of the things that I wanted to, to ask you about, obviously coming out here from Memphis area and especially being at Bellevue, which is hardcore door-to-door, yeah. Steve Gaines kind of thing. Right. Your expectations of yeah. quote spiritual success, yeah. and I don't want to superficialize that, but but really, it's not a Kenya revival. It is a yeah. slow burn. Yeah. Things are starting to transition in in Tennessee, yeah. uh, where you know the, the the buckle of the Bible Belt is starting to see kind of the the creep, the apathy creep yeah. across the United States into what has traditionally been. You know, a, a, a much more, oh, yeah. uh, much less hostile area. Yeah. So as as this begins to take root and the apathy begins to to continue to increase, what word yeah. would you have to pastors that have churches that may have been in the community yeah. uh, for a long time, yeah. uh, not necessarily? How would you help them see their future yeah. in Tennessee? Yeah, you know, I say this with a lot of respect to all
1: the churches in Tennessee. And by the way, Nashville is becoming so transient that it's going to start there, you know, because it's so transient. Now people are coming from all over the country to live there, and then that moves out, which Mm. is what happened here. Um, To those churches, I would say prayerfully consider thinking like a church planter. Mm. Um, I I had a guy tell me early on, he said, Chris, when you decide to stop taking risks is the moment you're not a church planter anymore. Mm. And it's the moment you'll start to worry about keeping the people you have instead of reaching the people in your community. And man, that just stuck with me. And so I would say that I, I would say to every church in Tennessee, what risks are you taking? You know, and, and and the hard part is, is there's a ton of people that have a lot of expectations in established churches. It by the way, it's it's sometimes harder to chisel on concrete, which would be that established church. Uh, we've always done this, uh, type of, of world that, that they live in than it is to come and be a church plant and say, Hey, let's try this. And if it fails, no big deal. We'll try something else. Mm -hmm. Um, but every year we evaluate and say, Hey, what can we take off the table? You know, just because we did it this year doesn't mean we have to do it next year. Um, and so I don't want to lose that. Right. And I think I would say to every, every established church person in, in Tennessee, I'd say, think like a church planter and think about the risks that you're taking. Um and you know if, if you take a risk and you lose church members that have a relationship with Jesus that's okay because if you gain people that want to come to your church that have never been there and don't have a spiritual relationship with the Lord that's what we've been called to do. Uh your your person that doesn't want to lose the the thing that they're losing is still going to heaven and quite frankly they're probably going to go to a church down the street. Mm-hmm. But the guy in the neighborhood that's never been and you took a risk on something you have got somebody that is with you Through and through, and I I had another guy tell me, he said, uh, he said, Chris, the church people are really good, uh, but church people that come to your church because of something that you have will leave your church because of something another church has. He said, but the person you went to Christ will never leave your church. Mm -hmm. They are bought in, they are with you, and so just focus on reaching people that are far from God, and um, and if that's the focus, because and there's man, we were Bellevue's a church of eight thousand people a week. You know, there Mm -hmm. are people; it's a hundred plus year old church. Uh, of so much history, you cannot throw out the baby with the bathwater, and so that's obviously not what I'm saying either. But I just think sometimes in in those worlds, we just forget that we can take risks in church and and church work and what we're doing. And so I would just encourage them: take as many risks as you can that fit within the vision and strategy that God's given you for your church and honestly for your community, because. Some churches are hitting the needs of the city, but maybe not even the specific community that they live in. And so I, uh, Chris, from 2000, 2010, 85% of church plants failed in Denver. Mm-hmm. And so we came in with the mentality that, okay, if 10 years after we start, for some reason, we're not in existence. What do we want to be the barrier if we were successful? Obviously, salvations and conversions have been there. We've actually already baptized 15 people. We've seen about 30 people come to faith and so we're we're so grateful for that. So honestly if we're if we're done yeah. life has forever changed for those families. Yeah. But I think the thing that we said the most is that if we're done in 10 years, I want Stapleton as a community to weep because we're gone yeah. because they don't know how to take care of the needs that are in the community. Right. And so that's our goal for everything that we do. Would Stapleton weep if we didn't do this? Yeah. If we weren't here, who would do it? And so that's kind of a barometer of everything
0: we do. And it's, that's a great mentality for churches you know, that have been in a community 125 years in Tennessee yeah. that you know, really looking at it from that perspective yeah. of is the impact in your community yeah. such that if this church was no longer here, first would anybody notice? And, yeah. and beyond yeah. that, were you having such a big impact in your community that it, it, it ripples across the yeah. community that you're not there? Absolutely. And so, um, how, can, how can people pray? Yeah. Man, uh,
1: that's so hard to narrow down. You know, I'd, I'd say one, um, church planning is so tough. Um, it really is. It, it's the highest of highs and it's the lowest of lows. Mm-hmm. Um, we have four kids. I tell my, my wife all the time at the end of the night when the kids are in bed and they're, they're in bed and they're asleep and they're alive, we kind of feel like we made it right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, all right, we won the day. <laughs> and, and so church planning is a lot like that. Like tonight, if like we pull off service and nothing yeah. crazy happens, I'll go, yes, yeah. we made it, you know, another week. Um, I I think a couple of the biggest prayers, I'll give you a personal and then a couple of ministerial ones. Um, It's a big change with my wife working. Uh, I I wasn't accustomed to that moving out here. I am not a great stay-at-home type dad that fixes lunches and those things. And so we're trying to start a church but also trying to give her space to do what God's called her and gifted her to do. Uh, And so just a family dynamic of doing those things. And as our church grows, there's just a lot more on each of us, right? And she runs our children's ministry as well. She's a a stud. And uh, and so that's a big thing for us, just that rhythm and that adjustment. Um, And I'd say uh, from a church standpoint, um, honestly, just that that we would continue to look through the lens of people that are far from God. Um, And then we don't expect to be in a permanent space until God gives us a permanent space. But just to give you a a capture of what this community looks like, um, a eight thousand square foot facility to rent would be about forty thousand dollars a month. A month. Wow. A nine thousand square foot building on thirteen acres is thirteen million dollars. Dirt is a million dollars an acre. Yeah. There's uh, no Ben at at now at Lifeways at Storyline, they were they had an old neighborhood Walmart that they yeah. were able to secure. He said, Man, one day you'll get your neighborhood Walmart. I said, We're in a brand new community. Yeah. They'd first have to put a neighborhood Walmart in, yeah. then it would have to fail, then it would have to sit there yeah. long enough for a church to do it, and quite frankly. Stapleton removed all the Green Book language that they had for the original community of any church. Yeah. So we would have to do something creative to even have a church yeah. space. Um, and so it's a, hey, every week we set up for, we set up and tear down for about three hours for a one-hour service. Yeah. Three trailers, tons of people involved. We have about yeah. 50 people on our core team doing all that. And, um, and just that, that somehow, way, we can see glimmers of God working in those yeah. areas. Now, listen. We're portable until God moves us otherwise. But a big prayer request is that God would just do something that only he could do. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's a big, big prayer request for our church, you know, as we go through and and just really walk those lines. down.
0: Is there any way that Tennessee, you know, we've got the partnership still with Denver area. Um, Is there any way that Tennessee Baptists could plug into what you're doing beyond like praying there, but it's something they might be able to do here?
1: Yeah. You know, I I think church planters are really good at being kingdom oriented and church planters are also really bad about just thinking about their church plant and their city. And so one of the things that I said in the very beginning was that we would be open to doing whatever anybody wanted to do out here, as long as it fit in with what our strategy was for the community. And what I mean by that is um, some people don't like to deal with mission team after mission team after mission team after mission team because it's a lot of work yeah, to, to serve yeah. the community. We just had 11 teams in 10 weeks, wow. and we loved it. We loved every bit of it. We can't do what we do without those teams coming in. We literally can't, and, um, and so we do it. So, man, any of those chances to partner, whether it be with Journey Point or whether it be with any church in the, in the city, uh, we want people to come to Denver And our number one goal is not for the work that they do for Journeyport or Denver. I want people to be so fired up for the things that they can then go back and do in their own community. Because the stronger they are and more fired up they are and passionate Mm -hmm. for their city, the better the kingdom is. And so for us, yes, absolutely. They can pray for us. Um, Obviously, they can financially give in any kind of way. But then they can look and say, man, could we send teams out there to support the work that's going on, so that our people can be fired up for serving a block party in our community. Uh, I had a church that just left last week out of Mississippi, and uh, the pastor texted me on Monday. He said, my people are more fired up about our community when they come back from a trip out there than anybody in our church. Just thank you. And that's our goal. That really is our goal. And so, man, any of those things that we can help serve the churches and the communities and the cities in Tennessee, we would love to do. And we're not doing anything special. Sometimes it just takes something to trigger what's going on to go, oh, well, we can do that here, yeah. and uh, and so we've had a lot of success with, with God showing that, and um, so yeah, I, I would love for any partnership to be there so that we can help the church. The greater the churches are in Tennessee, the greater the churches are yeah. going to be in Denver, that's Colorado, right. and so for me, that's the, the end-all view.
0: Well, this is a great opportunity, really like a lab. I mean, it, it's it's an opportunity to get into a time machine yeah. and see what the future looks like as it, as it continues yeah. to evolve in the Tennessee area, so yeah come out and do those types of things and yeah. see how you connect with the community and go back. Um, well, Chris, thanks so much. Blessings on your church. And yeah. I think this will be really helpful for uh, folks in Tennessee. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Pleasure to be with you.
1: Thank you for listening to Radio BNR, a podcast production of The Baptist and Reflector, the official news journal of the Tennessee Baptists Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded at baptistandreflector.org forward slash radio BR. The ministries of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptist.org.